You have Jimmy here today. You know he's been uh, he's been a no show. Did Jimmy for miss the last me while I was days. in Hawaii? Ooh, should, nice. Where at? Should I say Aloha? Which island? Maui. Oh yeah. Maui, Wowie. You guys can can you guys hear our? Uh, we have a guest on the show today on Unscripted Exchanges. If you can't hear him, yeah. Rick Rick Reynolds. Can you say hi? Yeah. Hello. Don't hey worry. There. I'm gonna gas All him right. up in a minute. I'm just excited to be back here today. Welcome back, Cole. It's good to ha- it's good to have you. Literally waiting for you to say that. I was too. expecting you to come back with more of a tan now. <sighs> hey, dude, SBF fifty, man. I'm not here to I'm not here I to impress anybody. You, you've got that uh, instant burn skin. Dude, tone. I do. I'll tell you what, man. I'm like, I was trying it. It was funny because like some of my siblings were so my, my whole family went. Me and my brother, sister, then my wife, kids, mom, dad, and they're like rubbing this like fucking bronzer shit on them and they're like they're laying out i'm just like you guys are wider than i am like this is you're like i'm gonna burn i'm putting i'm sitting here putting like i got the the, the white nose that you see oh, like yeah. lifeguards okay like you're ready for a fight yeah, yeah. you remember spongebob with the spongebob when you had the white nose i'm like i got that shit on and they're laying there with like this brown bronzer i'm like good luck you can you can hear their skin dude like, i'm like crisping up i'm like i'm here to enjoy myself not having to be like like creaking around and rubbing aloe vera the whole time so Thank you, Hayden, for that. No, you're smart. You're not going to have skin cancer no. here in five years. No. Yeah. Um, so, guys, just welcome to be happy to be back. As I mentioned, um, we've got Rick on here, Rick Reynolds. So, I want to, uh, Hayden, I want you to go ahead and open up, uh, open up the show for us real quick. Do our, our classic intro. Go for it. Then I can What's the it. classic intro, man? Welcome to another. You going to do it? Welcome back. To another episode of Unscripted Exchanges. Yes, yes, wow. yes, yes. Gas me up. Today we are, you've heard him, heard him going back and forth a little bit. We are excited to have another guest on here, Rick Reynolds. Rick is a family member of mine. And uh, don't let that fool you. He is not near as cool as me. No, I'm kidding. Rick is a entrepreneur. He is an inventor. He has done some amazing things a lot of cool experiences i'll tell you every time i talk to rick i feel like he's got a different toy or a different story to tell me about like today i mean we're gonna get into the tesla here in a little bit okay we're gonna un- unpack that but uh we're super excited to have you on here today rick i know there's probably some stuff i don't even know about you still but i just know that <laughs> probably uh, best rick rick is uh <laughs> been a mentor of mine he has you know he's been he's had his hands in all sorts of different businesses yep. and right now he uh, actually Hayden about uh, two months ago I came out and saw your shop yep. he runs uh, a uh, Mustang rebuild shop is that the right right way to put it mm, yeah we can call it that okay it's a freaking awesome shop called Cortex Racing Racing and I'll let him get a little bit about that but. I'm like walking around going, what's this? What's this? What's this? What's this? He's got 3D printers. He's got he's building his own parts. I mean, just an unbelievable, unbelievable setup. So, Rick, super excited to have you on here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Way to oversell it. Did no, I? no pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to I got to fill all those boxes now, I guess. Yeah, Rick's like, "All right. Cole, even... Cole might be the best at gassing people up. He yeah. does he does a really good job of doing that." Hey, but it's all genuine. It's all genuine. Totally. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had you on here if I didn't think all that stuff. I've I've dabbled in a lot. I could say that. That's uh, probably the best way to describe it. Dude, you've and, like, you and I actually worked together for a while. You forgot to mention that. So. Yeah, we. I've worked with Rick. How I've, long ago was that? Because I don't even know about that. Shoot, is this like high school? No, no like maybe 
five, six years ago. Five or six years ago. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I was an IT guy in a former life. Ah. And, uh, I still dabble in that too, but uh, <laughs> I'm telling him like he's way too smart for his own good. Uh, yeah, well, apparently not because I'm in race cars. But <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, we did the telecom thing together for a few years, and uh, it was Here, good. Here's how it went: Rick was the brains, <laughs> and I was the I was like the guy that walks in. He's like shooting the guns off, like let's go like this. And Rick's the guy coming in, going, "All right, let's get these answers though." And like, I'm like, can we do this? He's like, yeah, we can figure it out. He's like, yeah. all right. So, I'm the GM, and Cole's hired as a, as a sales salesman, right? Yep. And and 99 out of 100 guys you hire to be a salesman, you're you're having to prod them. Like, where are you at with this? Where are you at with your leads? What are you doing? Cole is that one in 100 where you're like, okay, you need to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get off the phone. You got too much going on. Just like <laughs> take, it, take it down a notch. <laughs> So, but it was good because I'm kind of the opposite. I'm kind of I'm pretty I'm pretty mellow, and um, so I think we actually worked really well because it was a good kind of offset of like he's he's ready, and I'm like, well, let's think this through. That's kind of <laughs> like our relationship, you know. I'm more than mellow like one over here. I feel like I'm like on a I'm actually on a couch, and I feel like this is a right. session for me right now. Like, <laughs> you didn't realize this was actually an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Everybody feels the same way about you. You know, at least I'm consistent. No, I don't want you to change at all. We need more yeah. people like you. Hey, sure. hey, thank you guys. Thank yeah. you. you guys are gassing me up now. So, I wanted to, um, first thing I wanted to talk about, Rick, uh, I'm just going to go right off the cusp here, is Cortex, uh, uh, Cortex Racing. And I'd love, like, I was telling Hayden a little bit about your background in racing okay. and cars. Yep. And what I'd love to hear is kind of like, I don't know even the tenth of it, but I know that you've gone to some unbelievable shows all around the world, oh, run yeah. some race teams, right? You've yep. you've been there, done that. I mean, some unbelievable stuff. So can you tell me, like, okay, I guess I'll make it simpler for you. Like, how did you get in to like oh. cars? Like, what what started that that passion? And then tell me some like some of these experiences you've had. All right, so. The car thing, I think, that stemmed, like, uh, from as far as I can remember, I've always been a tinker, mechanical tinkerer. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, I would take things apart to try to figure out how they worked. And that's just, I don't know what that, where it came from. It's not really my my parents. Like, they weren't that way. I don't don't know. Mm -hmm. But I've always enjoyed trying to figure things out, how things work and all that. So, uh so like I said, I've always had that, that mannerism. And then in high school, I, I met who is still to this day, my best friend, uh, his name's Rob and Rob's dad had a little side business, um, finding 64 to 70 Mustangs and restoring some parting others out. And, and we through high school and, and a few years after that, um, that was how we spent our time. Is I would go over to Rob's house, we'd tear cars apart, and then uh, twice a year we go to this place called Carlisle, Pennsylvania, where they have big swap meet. Okay. Sell all the stuff that we gathered up through the course of the year, and and you know make a little money. So that was that was the that was the early 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 end of the car stuff. Okay. And that's still there's still some very much some ties to that today. As you saw at the shop, like there's a lot of vintage Mustangs. So you, you kind of you said something about it being a Mustang shop. It's not a Mustang shop, and I'm I, I'm very careful with people because 
we've been kind of labeled that. Okay. But it's really not our intention. Like to me, at the point of where I'm at, <clears throat> it cars are cars. Like it's metal. Like I don't really. Ford has been very, very good to me over the years, and I always have some loyalty because of that, and I've got a lot of connections there. But um, from a from a functional standpoint, it's just bits. You know, it's just steel, and I, you know, it. Someone comes to me with a cool project we're going to take it doesn't matter what it is okay because it's not even always cars right so that's the part that you haven't seen is like sometimes we're we're contracted to design a, a thing that it doesn't even has nothing to do with automotive right, right. so it's just a manufacturing business what okay. would be an example of that if you're willing to share like- um so like bracketry so um I have a partner, and my partner has an aerospace background. Okay. And so uh, sometimes uh, there aren't – it's a surprising few number of people who do engineering properly. Sure. And so when you say, I need a hinge built, mm. and it's like, okay, it's one thing if you're just trying to put a gate on your backyard. Yeah. If you're trying to do something um, that is on a component that's extremely expensive, like an airplane, you can't – try it see if it breaks and then build another one right like you have to, you have to do the proper engineering right and so once you get a known for that then you know people that that understand that you can actually do things properly they'll come to you and and request it's it's like any other industry you know you're going to get an rfq here's a drawing can you make it all right how much so it sounds like you guys work on things outside of cars then too at times very very little okay but we can gotcha most of it is car related in some but it's not necessarily most people that without having a conversation they see our online store you go there you buy shocks and performance parts for mainly mustangs Mm -hmm. um and that's what they know us as without having we don't tell that story of like hey if you want us to build something for you we will Mm -hmm. so some of the a big part of the business is private label work for people in the automotive industry that we are buying stuff from them and then we're in turn selling back to them manufactured like, parts. Okay, that they make. okay, okay. So like you you do a modification or something to it and then get sell it back to them. Well, it's like so much of today's world, there are far fewer people that actually make stuff than sell stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that want our products under their name they don't want anybody to know that they're not making it themselves so they're 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 outwardly you see these companies and you think oh man they're making this and they're doing all these cool things in reality they're just buying it they're you know? buying I think they their call label. That white labeling i think that yeah. might be the term yep. yeah. yeah yeah and so when you talk about automotive stuff you've got so many you know thousands and thousands of components well if you want to if you want to build a car even even the biggest manufacturers they're outsourcing some percentages of those parts right right and so um i've not done anything for oe manufacturers well that's not true uh we've done some stuff for ford on the performance side so you've got ford the company and then you've got ford performance where it's kind of like their aftermarket division inside of ford okay so we've sold parts to ford performance and that's kind of its own adventure because you have to go through a whole process to be approved as a supplier Mm -hmm. and that's a pretty stringent thing so that actually took you know, quite a bit of time and, and um, to get through the process. Right. Well, probably so, quality control and stuff like that. Exactly. So it's it's quality and it's also, you know, when you're a company that size, 
and you put something in your catalog, the the comp the the provider the vendor that's actually building it has to be able to meet meet the demand. Right? right. So there's a huge risk of everybody says, "Oh yeah, I want to be in your catalog." Can you produce a thousand of these a year? Because if you can't deliver, then they don't want to put it in the book, right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of what they're policing to make sure that they keep, you know, okay. vendors that can actually pull it off. Right. Is there anything that you will not take on that you turn down? Uh, so early on, I was that whore that I didn't care. I mean, <laughs> like, anything that came so, your way. <laughs> yeah. So Philip, uh, my partner, started this in Sonoma, California in 08. Okay. And I've been doing it for about five years. And opened the facility in Ohio, moved most of the manufacturing here. And early on, you know, anytime you, you move or have a startup like that, you know, it's, it's, it's a money bleed, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in those stages, it was like, yeah, whatever. If it was, if it was money, and so be it. I, I'm thankfully at a point now where I can be more selective and, um, you know, I've got a backlog. I don't know one of those people. I don't believe in business where people are like, "Oh, we're we're three years out." Like, I don't I don't subscribe to that. I'm more <laughs> of like, you know, if you're that if you have that much work, then hire more people. Like, yeah, right. Why would you? Why be three years out? Right. Yeah. There's no excuse to be three years out. Like, it's one thing to be like a couple months out, maybe even six months out. But beyond that, like, you're just it's they're choosing to not grow. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that you could call it that instead of you know hiding behind like oh well we're three years out like that's basically telling somebody to get lost like I don't want your business like, <laughs> right now depending on the situation that might be the right move for said person though if they yeah. don't want to yeah like grow and yeah. they don't want to take on more responsibility I mean yeah. maybe they're complacent and they're fine with whatever they're bringing in I, I don't know there, there's a lot more to it or it, there could be well there's certainly those uh, situations where um, you're you're quoting things and. Oh, we're going to put a big number on this because we really don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're, that, that's you're afraid true. it's going to happen, right? Yeah. Because it's almost like you got to be really careful because it, they may say yes, even though you you put what in your mind is an obnoxious number on it. Yeah, if they I say yes. Dude, I know. Then, then now saying, one, right? yeah. it's that yeah. situation that's yeah. like, like, okay, yeah, like <laughs> we've all been there, especially like you're you're starting the business and you're like, okay. I don't want this client might end up being doing different work with us down the line, so I don't want to piss him off by telling him I won't quote it. Right. So, so I'm going to quote it, or I'm going to give it something stupid. Like, there's no way they're going to go for this. And right. then, then, then you get like an email back, like, tell me more. And you're like, oh, fuck. Are right. you yeah, can you have this done by Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, exactly. I, don't, I don't even have the tooling for it. Right, like, I don't even want it. <laughs> but, you know. so, so I want to dive into that a bit, Rick. Like, you're talking about. Um, I want to get back to the racing thing too in a minute, but this is really interesting because you mentioned uh, the startup thing, right? You mentioned, yeah. you know, five years ago, Rick, you know, for our listeners, Rick took the took the leap, like you know yeah. what, and and you came from a big background of of, of racing, like I mentioned, and running and managing well, teams. Let's back up and let's hit that for a second. So, so today I I'm, I basically have three things going on. Okay. okay, so we've got Cortex Racing, the mail order business. Okay. And so that is, we've got our website, we've got our e-commerce store. You're just an auto enthusiast, and anybody might find some parts in there that they would want. Right. So that thing just kind of runs in the background. We come in the mornings, look for orders. Fill them and sub them out. Yep. And and because we, we actually make the parts that we sell, there's a whole bunch of stuff in the background because it's not like we're buying and then reselling Right. We're buying raw materials, making it whatever it is, 
and then sell it on the store. So <clears throat> some things we buy and resell, but probably 80% we actually manufacture. Okay. So you got that aspect. Then you've got the floor work, which you came out and saw, which is right now we've got five cars under construction. And when we say we're building a car, it's truly what that sounds like. We are we are building a car. We are not taking things out of boxes and bolting them onto cars. We are taking metal, shaping it into a car, and building a car from scratch. Now, so sick. Most of them start off as old Mustangs, right? Because that's kind of we've, we've we've got this following, and so it's kind of one of those things in business like you get a following, you run with it, right? Mm-hmm. But um, so as of right now, in the shop, we've got uh, four Mustangs, all 70 or older, and one Maverick, a 73 Maverick. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, that, that's for a guy in Houston, super good dude. I've known him forever. He's actually one of the pit lane officials uh, in the Pro Series, and oh, that's right. how I knew him. And uh, so he, he uh, yeah, has had this Maverick and whatever. He's a Maverick guy. He's like... <laughs> make it badass i'm like all right so but um so anyway so that's the second aspect we got the mail order we got the shop cars and then we've got pro racing so uh cortex uh, will provide staff so it's like a staffing company no different than staffing for like an outsource it's like an outsource race team basically right yeah yeah so you want to go racing it could be as as simple as it's a hobby for you and you need a hand for the day so I can provide for you a mechanic for the day at the track to to help you with the car. Right. All the way to uh, most of the time I'm I'm running the team. So I'm I'm hiring all the staff, uh, taking care of logistics, doing the registrations with the different sanctioning bodies, and all that kind of stuff. So there's there's three different parts to cortex. Cortex. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all very. They they touch one another, but they're they're pretty independent um, business models, if you will. Okay. How are you allocating your time across all three uh, lines yeah. of business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. It's. I think it's uh, you know, one of those things that you. I'd like to be organized, but you can't be. Sure. You know, if you put too much structure and too much rules on yourself, then, mm-hmm. then it it won't work. You know, and. Um, it's probably holding me back in some senses, you know, probably any of any of the different segments could stand on their own and they would probably do better individually if I was dedicated to them. But at the same time, um, they all kind of feed off each other at the same time. So, sure. you know, and you like a little bit of, of like of d- diversity. I definitely do. I, definitely do. I, I like being oversubscribed. So I get myself in trouble with it because, you know, <laughs> I stress about it when it comes down to deadlines and things like that. But at the same time, I, I'm, I need that kind of self pressure to keep myself moving. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, is there one that you prefer a little bit more than the other? Um, well, the manufacturing was new to me when I got into this. I had zero manufacturing experience, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm a software guy, and uh, and so here I am, and plopped into this, and um, I've really enjoyed the learning process of different materials and machining and and all the different tools and processes to make stuff, right? Different coatings and, like, there's just so much to know. And it's something that I think society as a whole just takes for granted. You just, you know, you take it out of the box and, oh, wow, there it is. Like, they have no What actually went into it? Yeah, like, none. And uh, and it's very, like, empowering as, you know, as an individual when you're like, man, I can, 
once you understand you get handle it you can make about anything you know totally so that's kind of cool so that, that's because it's still new to me i think i'm still spending a lot of time on that um i really enjoy cole can attest to this i really enjoy managing people i really enjoy having some leadership and 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 trying to fit the right person to the right role and i feel like that you know it is a direct reflection of yourself of like if you can make people successful the, one of the biggest parts of that is putting them on a path for success mm-hmm. and a lot of times it's hard to do that for yourself you need someone outward looking in to say okay i know you think you're good at this sure but maybe you should consider going over here to this role right right and uh so i mean you know i that part's big and, and the racing thing is incredible it's highs and lows and i, I describe that as being like being in the circus because you spend 90 percent of the time putting the tent up tearing the tent down traveling and then 10 percent of the time you get to perform but it's it's just non-stop and it's it's never the same thing twice and you never know what to expect and, and i love that so that's always cool you like the diversity you like you like to switch it up oh yeah for sure yeah for i sure. can attest to that rick yeah. likes he likes to be able to get his hands in different things i do i do and i like competition you know and that's uh I think it's uh, it's taken a long time, but I've gotten to the point where you know my 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 main racing stuff is IMSA, which is the highest tier of sports cars, mm. and so uh, highest tier. Like, what are you? Who are you racing? Like, what kind of cars are they? So, uh, well, at the moment, Mustangs. Right. So it's with Ford. Okay. Uh, but like most sports, you've got different amateur levels. Sure. And you got semi-pro, and then you got people that call themselves pro, but they're not really pro. Yeah. Right. So this is this is as high as you can go. So, uh, you know, it's the thing for me when we win a race. Like I know we've beaten the best in the world at it. Right. And I, and I, that's, you say a, that's that, a big thing to me. He like, says that so nonchalantly. Like well, he's like we're we're racing at the highest tier. Yeah. So I'm gonna go back to my question because I want to know like so you say you're racing at the highest tier like yeah. what kind so your race your your team is the Ford Mustangs. Right. Yep. Who are you racing against? Other Mustangs? Are you so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's there's private teams. So let me let me correct myself. We are not Ford. Ford does not have its own team. Okay. Okay. All right. So the the group I actually work with right now is called PF Racing. They're uh, out of out of a suburb of Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. Um, we have two cars that we run in this in the in the class. There's another team out of Florida that runs two Mustangs as well. So there's four cars, four Mustangs total in the series. Okay. And then we're racing against McLaren. <laughs> That's uh, what I wanted you to Porsche, say. Porsche, BMW. You know, it's it's all it's. There's one guy with one Camaro. Everything else is European. That's badass. Yeah. So for any listeners that aren't too familiar, and I personally am not that familiar with racing and cars, but love to learn, like, what's the official league that you're... It's it's IMSA, I-M-S-A. Okay, I didn't catch yeah. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Gotcha. IMSA. Okay. Yep. Okay. And so a lot of people will know some of the more popular events. So 24 Hours of Daytona, mm. 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yep. Um, the Ford versus Ferrari movie was popular not that long ago. So that is IMSA. Okay. That's happens that's to be That's unreal. That's 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 IMSA from from whatever. Or the sixties I think it was. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, same stuff. So yeah. So you're literally traveling. You get to travel the world 
Yeah. See, you, you made it sound like that wasn't as cool as it really is. You got to understand, coming from people that like are not car, like I've never. I mean, I've been to think. I think went, went to one race of yours. Yeah. Probably when I was like fourteen or fifteen, and you let, you let me put the headset on. I was with my dad, Jackie, Jack Rothy, yeah, Jack Rothy. That was Mid Ohio. Yeah, we got to see that. That's the only time I've ever been to like a race, like a yeah. car. And but all all I ever think about is like you're thinking of like. The car, the car games you played on like Xbox or PS, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like we were racing in the mountains, and you get to drive like a McLaren and like stuff like that. And you're like, I've never like, uh, like you're literally saying you get to go and compete against like these exotic sports cars that most people could never dream of owning. I mean that, and you get to go race against them, wreck them, tear them up. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah. so what is uh, it's like so like so walk me through this. So let's say like what did, when's the last IMSA race you went to? Um. Uh, we were in Lime Rock, Connecticut, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah. It was that when you podiumed. Is yep, it? yep. So that 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 was uh, that was that was fun because we we were leading that race for about an hour and then just got uh, picked off by two guys at the in the last closing minutes of it. Just, okay. Um, it was a it was a weird race. There was a bunch of caution and um, I made kind of a crazy pit call. So. The car can run about 50 minutes on the fuel. The capacity of fuel allows it to run for 50 minutes. Right? Okay. So the caution comes out with like an hour and 10 to go. So we're 20 minutes short. So come in, fill it with fuel, send it back out, and 10 minutes later the caution comes out again. Mm. And we're in third at that point. And so when you're, you know, from a strategy standpoint, when you're top five, when the leaders pit, you follow them in. That's the safe thing to do, right? Because you don't want to if you, if you're competitive from a speed standpoint and you're competitive with where you're at on track, you don't want to screw it up by doing something out of the norm, right? Right. And so, and, and you're trusting that the guys in front of you know what they're doing, right? They're not going to do anything. To, they're not going to do something. Yeah, there's yeah. a reason why they're in front of you, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so Kyle, our, our driver, comes on the radio and he's like, if, "If if the leaders come in, I'm following them." And I'm like, "All right, copy." And then I sit there for a second or two, and I'm like, "You know what? Nope, stay out." And I'm like, "They're going to come in because that's the safe play. Let's try to win this thing and let's stay out." So we did. That shuffles us up to first, right? And then we basically, I was gambling that there would be enough caution because your fuel economy about triples under caution. Because you're going slower, right? Right, you're going way slower, right? So, basically, gambled that we'd have enough caution laps in that remaining hour to have enough fuel economy gain to make it to the end, and, yeah. we, did, and we did. So, and uh, yeah, got lucky. Dude, that's that's awesome. so sick. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was cool. It was what, fun. What's the average uh, time for a pit stop? Well, in this series, they limit the rate at which fuel can go into the vehicle. So okay. here we'll get we'll get we'll get nerdy for a second. Let's All do right. it. All right, so. You've, Wait, can you, you, you've got scoot that mic just a little closer to you too, because right. I want to make sure this is crystal clear. This is All so right. dope. <laughs> so, so we're in a Mustang, okay? right? One of the heaviest cars. Camaro's pretty close to the same weight. Uh, you've got everything in between, right? Or all these other the cars all weigh different amounts because it's it's supposed to be a stock-ish car, right? Okay. The body is supposed to be similar to stock. Okay. So you can only get it so light. And the rules define how much the car has to weigh. And it's different by brand, 
right? So the Mustang doesn't weigh the same as a Camaro, doesn't weigh the same as a McLaren, doesn't weigh the same. So the lightest car is the Porsche, and and we're the heaviest. So obviously it's, you know, physics says the heavier something is, the more mass, the more energy it takes to push it. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go through fuel faster, right? Sure. Well, the series wants everybody to run out of fuel at the same time. So part of the rules. So they want to because they want to keep it competitive. They want right. you guys all pitting at the same time. Right. So you're all out on the all you're out all all out on the track racing. Exactly. Yeah, I got it. Right. They want you know they want to be a good show, right? Right. So so we're allowed. Um, it's it's currently eighty eighty five liters of fuel capacity, right? So because the Porsche doesn't use as much fuel they may only be allowed to have whatever 72 liters okay all right so now the problem is you come down pit lane we we all run out of fuel 50 minutes into the event okay everybody pits well they have a smaller gas tank so they can fill up faster than we can because they don't have to take as much fuel right uh, yeah okay yeah so part of the rules is they there are restrictors in the fueling mechanism so that they can't fill as fast as we can. Yeah, it's going to slow down the, the fill basically. Slower yeah. rate. Yeah. yeah. So they they've gone as far with his rules as to figure out like, okay, we're going to restrict the fuel fill time, so that everybody fills the same. Like they try to normalize everything. Yep. Yeah. They want yeah. it to be about the drivers, and 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 um, and that's it. So it's a forty-eight second minimum fill time. Minimum. Yep. Okay. Yep. It still so, seems super quick. No, it, it is. Well, it, and it gets it gets muddy too because that's if it's dead empty, right? And you hardly ever stop empty. Right. You got something in the tank. Right. Have teams ever been penalized for? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's racing, right? <laughs> there's there's a lot of interpretation, yeah. you know. But uh, you know, some of that. So the, the the way that that particular rule works is, if they were to check you post race. Uh, they would they would bring the car to your pit stall, make you pump all the fuel out, and then plug in, and they would time you and see how long it takes to fill from empty. Oh, checking you basically. Yeah, yeah. So has that, has that happened to you? Uh, it hasn't happened to me personally. Okay. Um, so that that rule has changed some over the years. It used to be that there wasn't a minimum time. It was just here's your restrictor size, and like right now. Uh, let's say we're running a 21 millimeter. It's just the the size of the hose, basically, right. right? So it used to be it was an assigned size, and as long as you had the proper restrictor, then you were fine. Right. And they do the same with the power, right? The the intake of the engine, they're always mucking with that because uh, that's it. It's changing, like. What's fair today may not be fair three races from now. Sure. And so they may say, okay, now that car has to weigh 10 more kilograms, or that car has to run a different restrictor. Mm-hmm. They call it a balance of performance, and it's constantly called evolving, basically. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so I just want to, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to paint the picture for myself and for our guests here. I'm a wreck. I'm sitting in. So, you, are you in like a captain's chair? Like when you're in here, like, <laughs> what is it like? Are you in like a, are you in a booth? Like, yeah. Okay. Well, no, I mean, We've got like carts basically that you set up on top of. Okay. And like you'll see like all the all the monitors, you know, because it'll have like TV screens, and then you'll have car data, and then you'll have the timing and scoring, and all these different things up on the different monitors. And 
And um, so for me, it's it's a couple things. One, um, trying to keep the, the guys informed of what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, you know, they've all done it. These These are pro dudes, right? But at the same time, it's like, okay, our next fuel window is at lap 72. And our next stop is going to be left side tires and fuel or right, right. whatever it may be. So I'm, I'm communicating to them what the, what the plan is. And then I'm doing the math of like, okay, here's where we stop last. Here's what I think our fuel economy is at this moment. Here's what I think we're going to have to stop again. Who's in front of us? Who's behind us? Who's, who's already stopped? Who's not stopped? You know what I mean? Because let, let's say you're in fifth. Maybe that's concerning and maybe it's not. If you know the four guys in front of you haven't stopped yet and they're, they they are definitely not going to make it on fuel, then you don't worry about it. Right. right. You're going to pass them. Right. Fifth is fifth is fantastic. We're basically we're going to be forced to the front at some point. So let's just cruise and stay in fifth and wait. Just let it come to us. Right. You know, so that's the kind of you're always. And it's like an ever ever evolving situation. You're analyzing right, it, and like right. so that's that's that's, that's so what cool. is keeping me the most mentally. I'm I'm literally tired from mentally thinking about that kind of stuff. Do you know it's, they're two and a half hour races, right? So by the time it's over, I'm like you're drained enough. Yeah, yeah, because you're like you're analyzing and making. So are you are you ever sitting there and like and going, you idiot, you fucked up the car, like, you yelling at your. <laughs> well, <laughs> I had that moment at this race we were just talking about because like we were the only ones that didn't pit. Right, the only car. Right, and so that's never good. Right, because you're, you know, you feel like an outcast. Like, yeah. you're, you're like oh boy, well, right. I hope I didn't fuck this up. Yeah. <laughs> this, could, this could be really bad because everybody's looking at you and you're like, oh, we're good, guys. Yeah, we're good. We got this. Yeah, but you know, there was definitely a, a, some some time, and and so we've we've got two cars, and and I'm a, I'm the car chief on one, and, and the other car chief sits next to me. And he just looked at me. He gave me this look like, what are you doing? And that was the moment where I'm like, oh, boy, this could be bad. But but it paid off. It worked out. Yeah. It worked out. Awesome. Yeah. So it, it was calculated a little bit, but, you know, it's never good. A little bit of luck. In it, it's never good when you're the only ones doing something, right? <laughs> That's always like, oh, man. <laughs> like, wait, nobody else, nobody else is going? <laughs> sure, nobody wants to try this. Like, How big uh, is the crew, by the way? So, I mean, that's where a lot of the expense comes because sure. to do what we do – You've got to, you know, we're doing tire changes, we're doing driver changes, we're doing refueling. Yep. So, um, about ten guys per car. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when, when I'm wearing my team manager hat. That's a lot of what that's about is, um, making sure flights and hotels and and all that kind of stuff. And it's when you've got good guys, you don't have the problem. Um, but like most things, you usually have, uh, some senior guys and then you've got some, some younger junior guys. Right. And it's one, it's a weird industry cause you can't exactly put up something on indeed and say wanted, you know, race mechanic, <laughs> yeah. because two things will happen. Um, one, the likelihood of finding somebody that actually knows what they're doing is none. Slung and right. Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to get a, thousands of resumes right yeah because who doesn't want to be a race a, a seven-year-old kid that's <laughs> right right yeah. my dream right and so even even when you know you've got your anchor guys like the your tire changers like those dudes have to be very experienced and solid right yep. um 
we call it the lollipop, you know, the, the, the signboard that they, they flag and it tells the driver where the, the box is at. Yeah. That'll be a, that's a good example of like, it's an entry, entry role. Right. Okay. So you don't have to do this forever and ever. Like, could I okay. do it? Yeah, for sure. For so, sure. You want to fly in? We'll, we'll do it. But do it. sign uh, me up. So <laughs> we should be doing this at an event, this Dude, podcast. I'm, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but the, the, when people are new, and they don't understand the lifestyle, and they think, "Oh yeah, this will be great." And then you're halfway through the summer, and they're like, "Wait a second, I haven't got a single holiday off. I've, I've had to be out on the road the entire summer because your off days are basically Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, sometimes Wednesday. Mm. So you're working pretty much every weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, to have a any type of relationship is it's tough, tough yeah, right? It's demanding. So then, you know, somebody says, yeah, 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 I want to do it. And six weeks later, they're they're calling in sick like it's – I'm like, no, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> but you signed up. Right. Yeah, you're, you're, if, you, if you don't come, you won't come back. No offense. We can be friends, but this, this isn't that kind of job. Yep. Like, you know, it's you're, – you're, you're on the hook unless, you know, there are exceptions, but – Especially when you're young, and if you're if you're the new guy, there's no calling. <laughs> yeah, that makes right? sense. You know, you, yeah. that's just part of it. Okay, so. so so I'm just thinking about like driving a McLaren. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's expensive. Like the, so, there's a there's something that's not talked about, and and I know why. I mean, nobody wants to have it out there, but um, you've you've got the logistics of all the people, mm-hmm. right? You've got to transport the vehicles, right? So the haulers, the fuel for the haulers, you know, professional drivers to drive the trucks all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, entry fees are massive. And we'll go through um, five sets of tires a weekend at $700 per tire. Um, we're going to go through 300 gallons of race fuel at $12 a gallon for race gas. So, you know, it's... Is that different gas than, like... A little bit. It's just higher octane. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But part of the another thing that they try to do is, um, you can't bring your own fuel. So this is part of how they police things to make sure, you know, nobody's using cheater fuel of like you have to buy it from the track. Okay. Same with the tires. The tires actually have RFID built into the tire, and and they know the serial number of the tire on the car at any given moment. So they're normal lot. They're trying to keep everybody yeah, here. Yeah. Because yeah, they want crazy. it to be about the drivers, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah. So here's one for you. So a little off topic, but I love this, you know, theorizing things, right? Right. So there's a there's a weird situation right now in racing where think about um we just rode in the Tesla, right? Uh-huh. The car's got self driving mode. The the problem with that with autonomous vehicles in general is the number of variables, right? And so if every street was perfectly lined, yeah. painted, then it, that would help the calculations, right? Yeah. But they're not. Yeah. And, and you can't predict where people are going to drive these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so in racing, we know exactly where these cars are going, right? So it's 100% feasible to have unmanned race cars, right now the technology absolutely exists so now the question is okay what's faster the fastest nascar guy out there controlling the car 
or the exact same car autonomously being you know autonomously controlled by a computer or remotely by people like a real life rc yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then okay well then because that technology is is there why why not why why has no one done that if i was elon musk i would absolutely be putting a call out challenging anybody i think an autonomous car is going to outrun the best race car drivers you think period no no doubt no no doubt about it yeah i think that's a no-brainer yeah and so like the technology we have in in the cars that we're racing the abs systems and the traction control systems and and it's all electronic right right and and, and the technology there they've actually dialed it back via the rules system for because of cost reasons right it, if you un if you unrestrict that, now you're going to have as many engineers off track trying to to tweak it, right? As you are crew members changing tires and that kind of thing, right? It becomes more of a of a who could build the better who could build the better it computer becomes, basically. Right, it becomes an engineering IT challenge, not a racing mechanical right. And, and there's there's another phenomenon of racing that I that I don't like. I don't like that they overly normalize the cars right because it's the only thing that differentiates the sport i think that there needs to be some challenge of like who like, can who can build the better engine right, right? i mean whether it's power or weight or or setup or whatever that's like, how it used to be isn't it, it yeah and there's still a little bit of it but they they're really they don't talk about it on the telecast and they don't uh encourage it in the in the way the rules are structured and well i mean what what better arena to do it? That's that's what racing started with. Was that's back when the the manufacturers were really really into it. That was part of the reason was there was learning to be had, mm-hmm. right? Well, that's really not part of the equation anymore. But I, I just think it'd be super cool to see a, a unmanned car racing a manned. See who car. wins. Yeah, see who's fast. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, right? Uh, you would think. Yeah. You would think I think that, that the the political machine is not going to let it happen. Okay. For a while. Yeah. So what happens? What happens if it does exactly what we just said? We think it would happen, and and the unmanned vehicle just dominates. That's the end of the sport, right? Or the sport has to shift so I think it pivots. dynamically. Yeah. yeah. But can can the fans keep up with it? Can the the industry? It's not ready for that amount of change, or it doesn't you know. Right. No, I hear what you're saying because, like, how do you? I'm sure a lot of it too has to do with the the drivers and marketing them. Like, they're they're the storytellers, or you're able to create this narrative. And if it's yeah. now just technology, like, yeah, are the fans as invested? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I see where you're going. So with I could that. I could see it starting off as maybe a, a series. It could be like a private thing of like only autonomous vehicles, mm-hmm. right? And then you know, it's no different. There's drone racing today. There's yeah. no difference. It just doesn't yeah. happen to be on the ground instead of in the air. It'd be so dope though. Can you It'd be really cool was to have like a, an RC car version of it. They do have those out there. I'm like pretty the, sure. Like, like think about if you could like remote control drive a McLaren. Well, yeah, I, I thought you meant like there are like oh, RC yeah, like yeah. races. No, I, mean, like, I, I mean like if you like, you could drive one, that'd be kind of dope. But that's the huge part of it though is like, so um, one thing cool about doing it at the level we're at is, um, uh, these guys are truly athletes. Like they're they are, it's it's weird when you think of a racer. You don't think of them as like a athletic pro football player right. or a pro baseball player, where it's very much about athleticism. But 
it is in a different way. Sure. Reaction times and their senses and their ability to feel things that you and I can't feel. Right. And and it's amazing. You put one of those guys in a car that's a true pro, they'll go out and they'll do two laps and they'll say, I think the car needs this. And they're usually right. Yeah. And that, that awareness and sense of, of what's going on around them is really unique. That's what makes them pros, you know. Well, it's tough too. I mean, how like, how fast are they going in these races? Like these IMSA races, like how fast are these cars going? It's different from track to track. So the one we're going to next is is Road America, which is in Wisconsin. It's a really really fast track. I don't know what the I think the total track's like four point three miles, but the front straightaway is like a mile long. Oh, so you're, you can get up there? Oh yeah, like an R car probably. 170 something like that okay and then you know we race with like the prototype the cars that don't look like anything they're, they're like real they're like indie cars that they have somewhat of a body around them right yeah they'll do 200 mile an hour wow yeah so it's uh so the amount of control you've got to have with a car like that like that's that's exerting in itself it's sensory it's sensory because if you're if you're doing 170 miles an hour and you see a corner coming up uh, and it's funny because I, you know I came from the drag racing world. I've been in really really fast drag cars, right? And people think what they know that. Oh yeah. So people think that sports cars are going to be scary. And to me, it's not scary because it's not that intense. It's not it's not violent, right? It's not like um, drag racing cars are violent, you know. Well, the difference is when you have to stop from 170 miles an hour. You have to plan that out, right? By the time you realize you waited too long to hit the brakes, you're off the track, right? Because the, the cars take hundreds of feet to slow down. So it's not like, you know, you can say, okay, I'm going to wait till I see that corner and then I'm going to hit the brakes. You're using reference points. So most of the tracks have, have uh, sign boards that say we're 200 feet from the corner, 400 feet, whatever. The, so you're using the sign boards or you're using landmarks like certain Because you're, you're moving so fast. Yeah. And what, you're going you're gonna to go to your landmark and then you're going to plow the brake pedal. But you still have seconds before you're actually turning the wheel to turn in because, because you're going so fast. You have to slow the car from 170 to 90 before you can begin the turning process right but that that distance closes so quickly yeah and that's where it becomes it's a very much a sensory thing of like um, depth perception and reference points and the difference between uh you know we've got data systems and then we log we log everything right Right. so you'll take up one one lap my lap and your lap and we'll overlay them and we'll be comparing in feet so i hit the brake pedal at 12,342 feet into the run and you did it three feet later or earlier or whatever and then you start looking at the differences from driver to driver to figure out what's the better option. How to make it optimal basically. Right. right. And that's where the computers would have such a huge advantage because they would they can repeat that. That same line? Every single time. Right. And Find the best path and keep going. It's gotten to the point now where we've got computer systems in the cars that will talk to you and then it'll tell you what you should be doing in the corners. And so it's it's it knows that you've done five laps. And in, on lap number one, your first three corners were the fastest they've ever been. But in lap two, corners four, five, six were faster than they were in lap one. 
So then it'll say, okay, well, if we took the fastest corners from this lap and the fastest corners from that lap, you have a theoretical fastest lap of X. It's, it, it's taking the sum of all of the best attributes, right? right? Well, if the car was, if the computer was in control of the car, it could take all that and say, okay. Put it together. Put it together. Boom. There it is, right? You'll never do that with a, with a human. Yeah, because there's just error. Because we're right. just, yeah. Because. And we're talking about finite, right? This is what makes the pros the pros of, like, it's not flagrantly obvious what they're doing wrong. Right. It's, it's inches of difference. It's crazy. Yeah, it's cool. It's fascinating. I'm sure this varies from race to race, but like, what is the average purse size? Uh, well, that's, <laughs> and and you don't have to answer that question either. I'm just kind of curious. So, it it um, there's a points fund at the end, so you get paid for, you know, for the season. Gotcha. And then you've got per event, and it does vary from event to event. But okay. Let's say twenty twenty five thousand. Okay. Like that. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, except it's a losing equation. Yeah, I was kind of part two. Of that right. question is out of the three lines of business that you mentioned earlier. I'm assuming this is the most expensive and probably the least profitable, but that's an assumption. Well, I'm in the I'm in the staffing business. Yeah. So he's not the. It's not his car. Yeah. So okay. He, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. So. Yeah, he's so. getting paid for his time as well as paying other people. He's yeah. so you're man, you're setting up a team, and you're getting paid to to do that like that. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah. My right. bad, I was conflating yeah. things there. Okay, but so so let's say I'm going to be generous. It, it, you're going to spend you're going to spend seventy thousand a weekend to do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you win, you're losing fifty grand. <laughs> it's not it's, it's, it's not for the faint so, of heart yeah yeah and there's a lot of misconceptions about sponsorship too because um i mean sponsors absolutely keep the thing alive but it's rare very rare that someone just walks up and says here here's a check put my name on the side like it's usually um groups of people and you'll have a title sponsor but then they have their own sponsors so the sponsor has sponsors so it's kind of a trickle-down effect of um, it's usually industries, not companies. Gotcha. So, okay, okay. Yeah. So, like, if you see – use Formula One because they have the most crazy budgets, right? And if you see Hewlett-Packard on a car, it's not just Hewlett-Packard. It's everyone that they do business with is, yeah. is in, on this. In, involved. Yeah. It's yeah. a group of investors yeah. Yeah. that are, are putting the money up just yeah. to get some of that brand recognition. Right. And and like you said, it's also probably a rich man sport too a little bit. Like big guys, big like got people, men and women with a lot of money that want to go put you know, yeah. go put money in a race team and they're doing it as a hobby and they're not in it to make that twenty five thousand dollar purse. It it's it's uh it's hard to find a sponsor that doesn't have an interest in cars. I'll say it that way. They, right. they have to have an interest in doing it because if you're doing it just purely on, on the payback for your advertising, it's that's a tough sell. Yeah, it's a tough sell. But there's there aren't many other um, avenues where you can say we have a lot of startups. We have a lot of businesses that are are big enough that they've got this kind of money, but they're they're their aspirations are bigger and they've got big money behind them. Right. And um, we're going to go to at minimum 14 cities and we're going to be able to set up an entertainment 
arena and you can bring in people from that region and we'll entertain them at the event right right so that's another part of of the management side of things of the hospitality of you know we we feed people well we have like the awnings and the all this like stuff. the event the event yeah stuff. if you're a vip guest you you know we're we're you know making it worth your while something fun right, right. but part of the most of the time you you've got like your title sponsor and they're you know going to give you a roster of who they're bringing and it may be 10 or 12 people and then you know we're making those people uh it's it kind of forces people to get together and it's for the sake of sales right right so close more business yeah so if you're if you're a corporate company or a startup right and you're trying to maybe maybe you're trying to get bought out by somebody maybe your whole business plan is we're trying to build this company we're going to get to a certain point sell it and then we're going to sell it right so you need to get those people that would be potentially interested in it out with you here's an avenue avenue to do it it's it's much easier to say hey come to the racetrack with us versus hey let's sit in a boardroom because then you're just dude it's a social it's a social event it's it's, it's, yeah you're not trying to just be another guy trying to set up a webex right you're you're like hey come on you're trying to make it personal and you're trying to make it fun and get on get under their skin hell yeah indy 500 is a great example that one that 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 is a huge networking event i mean i don't know if you've ever been to like the the number of suites at the Indianapolis Motor no, Speedway. No, I haven't. Oh, they're unbelievable. And there's tons of them. Tons and tons of, of, I gotta get of, into that. of rooms. Like you, you, so not only you are going to have your suite where you can observe and watch the race and food's going to be served to you and all that kind of stuff, you've right. also got meeting rooms so that you can go and, and oh, let's go hammer out. Yeah, well. let's go hammer right. out this yeah, deal let's, now. Let's go have fun for, you know, six hours. We're going to get you nice and liquored up and then we're going to go over here and make you and sign make you a big contract. <laughs> 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 yeah. So there's a lot of that. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So more and more cars, and you kind of mentioned this a few minutes back, are more so turning into just a big piece of technology, right? Yep. What are you most excited about with the future of cars, everyday cars, I should say? Like, since we took a little test ride in the the Tesla, which was awesome, and thank you, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I think... um, I think... The EV movement is the big thing at the moment. Are you a fan of the EV movement? Too? Um, I I think it's it hasn't settled out yet. Sure, you know, and there's arguments on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I think we're, I think there's technology is is always good, right? So from a safety standpoint, I think it's it's a big deal. Um, you know, I. Cole knows this. I've done some work with the power company in years past, mm-hmm. and they're concerned about the draw on the grid, right? Like if this movement happens too fast, the power infrastructure through most of the U.S. can't support it, right? Really? Oh yeah. Isn't sure. that why Elon's building a whole bunch of charging stations? Or yeah, uh, but the, the power to the charging stations still has to come from somewhere. Right. Well, is, I mean, isn't he? He I, wants I to build. Know. He wants to build those. Uh, what are they called? I heard them. Like the, the big facilities. Aren't they building big solar places though to get the I mean, power solar, from? Solar's a joke. I mean, I, I don't know <laughs> yeah. anything. Oh, hold on. Yeah. Digress on that. Why? So, why solar, solar a joke? Well, I mean, when you look at the the power produced relative to the 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 need, the demand, it can't it can't do it. 
So it, today, I, I shouldn't right? say I should. Well, okay, I shouldn't. I shouldn't dismiss it so much because I I am a believer of we should be experimenting with all these things. Sure. Okay, but the ones that haven't materialized as much as we would all like to think, wind and solar. There's a reason why they work, but it's not by nowhere in the foreseeable future is it enough power generation to fulfill the needs got it so we're very very much dependent on dams and and hydroelectric and nuclear hmm. coal coal's still the number one right so here's he this is, whole, he is. Here's a, <laughs> you know you set well, me up for that well you know uh, of course <laughs> damn it you're making his head get even better <laughs> coal is still the number one people yeah. shut up jimmy <laughs> But, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are – there's an argument that happens a lot about are electric vehicles green or more green or less or, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and when you look at that part of it, it kind of squashes some of the value there. Like it's so, worse, right? The batteries are bad for the I've – not, I've not looked into it deep enough, sure. right? But there's absolutely an argument of like you've just shifted it you haven't really you haven't fixed our consumption of resources you've just moved them to a different you know so um i've heard some stuff about like where the majority of the lithium comes from in the in the world and and that's its own problem but that doesn't really get discussed or at least i'm i've not heard that much debate about it or you know there's a lot of people that want to to break ties from dependency on the middle east for oil mm-hmm. but that's where all the lithium's at <laughs> so <laughs> like right all we've done is just shift our dependency to a different but it's still know, on the middle east yeah or asia i believe yeah that's so we're that, not really solving I, I'm, I'm, that problem i'm, I'm, re, I'm regurgitating on, what i've been sure told I, I i haven't done my own homework to confirm it I, right i like to you know know, You're just know stirring, my facts yeah, just, but yeah but but i do know like solar and wind are not sustainable they, options they, they can't produce enough power to supply even our current consumption let alone if we try to have every single vehicle running on electricity right so that's take the batteries out the batteries is its own discussion the how do you create enough power in the grid to do it and it's it's not just what is charging the, stations but, what about just like what but like your, your the, the pole coming down the, your street like it can only support so many watts sure yeah. Right? Yeah, right? yeah yeah it's just like you're trying to wire uh whatever a stereo in your car and you like you need a certain size wire for the the current load right so the more load on a street the bigger the power the bigger the wire could you could you use and this is just a total thought out no. So the way I understand like that. <laughs> no, well, just like, stop here right Electric cars. Okay, so just hear me out. Hear me out here. Here goes Cole trying to be technical. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> so you got, you got your Tesla, right? Yeah. You've got – you were talking about the dual motors. I understand that. And you've got – I mean, th- like, basically what they're built off is a battery. It's an electric battery. It's a little bit, right? Yep. So why – so I know how friction works, right? And you're creating friction when you're driving and you're creating this – some form of energy while you're driving the vehicle moving down the road. So couldn't you take that energy – and charge a backup battery, and then when the backup battery gets your, your main battery dies, your backup battery could fill, could run the car. F equals ma. Is I mean, would that work? <laughs> so what you're describing is uh, the the could you? No one has ever come up with something that creates energy. Okay. 
So like you've seen those little things you put on your desk with like that spin and twirl, right? And you spin it and it'll go for what is like eternity, right? So those are like very precise, manufactured things and balanced to really, do that, right? They're still not one hundred percent efficient. They are consuming energy as they're spinning. They will eventually stop. Stop. So everything consumes energy. So yes, like that. The Teslas and as far as I know, pretty much all the electric vehicles are designed to charge under braking so right so when they stop it's tr- it's recharging the battery it's, it's acting like a generator for the battery when it's, when it's breaking right so you're 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 gaining energy braking you're consuming it when you're accelerating but in the end you're net loss you okay that's so that was my that was my thing is like is there a way you could make it generate enough you can't yeah that that would be you'd have to break that, a that lot, would be that would be defying physics because you'd be creating energy from nothing just put a solar panel on the hood of the car and charge it from the <laughs> right, sun. Right. <laughs> Listen, I knew I was reaching here, but I wanted to see what Rick said. Yeah. Yeah. So what what uh attracted you to uh getting a Tesla? Uh I, I wasn't. It was, you know, my son wanted okay. I thought they were the Oh, thing. what a good dad. Yeah. Yeah. Dad of the year award. Not, not really. It is super sharp though. I kinda I I uh I was not on board originally, but I love it now that we've got it. What would you say are like the pros and the cons now that you've you've got one? Well, the zero maintenance thing is super nice. It's just a like. But what? what I, got, I got a busy lifestyle, so like to not have to mess with oil. And, I, and I'm in the car business, right? So sure. You would think like of anybody to not have to worry about. Yeah, car but you've probably done that for so long though on all your own vehicles. Yeah. The, just, the thing is though, which I'm sure a lot of critics out here bring this up, like what does happen when there is something like it's a it's a tech problem and where do, you have to go get it serviced oh, yeah. like a like would you be able to No, that's a Tesla thing. That, that's the thing right. that's a pain in the ass. Like right. now if it was a gas power, like you probably would be able to Right. So make, their pitch, so if you listen to Tesla's pitch, they're like it's it doesn't break. It'll never Which is break. Bullshit though. <laughs> right? Literally, that's what that's what they say. It's, it's like in, it's invincible. Yeah, they literally say like <laughs> if you ask them like it's, it's not like even even when Elon Musk does his like grand reveals. I saw yeah. him do the the, the semi truck. The rock back in like 2019. Yeah. Did yeah. you see the semi truck one? Yeah. So the semi truck, he's basically just like, oh, and by the way, these things will go for a million miles, so you'll never have to change them. And oh, but he's basically just saying there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. You never have to do anything. Yeah. Super bold. Yeah. Have you have you listened to any of his uh, um, talk about AI and, and where all that's going? And oh yeah, I've heard snippets. It's yeah. it's crazy. It's scary awesome. too. Yeah, though. Well, that, <laughs> His his belief is that is the greatest threat to humanity. Oh, one thousand percent. There's yeah. a I lot of good with technology, but then there's a point where it starts to become negative for society. I I have a hard time believing it. That uh, that you know, I, the statement it's the, the single biggest threat. That's the one I like. That's a pretty strong statement. That's a pretty broad, big. Like, don't get me wrong. I I very much see the the risks right, yeah, for yeah. sure, but the biggest threat. Like, uh, well. <laughs> I, I mean, it depends. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I hear it on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more worried about uh, getting some food. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're uh, I'm like we're running on time right now. I wanted to ask a couple questions to you, Rick, okay. for wrap it up. What were we doing this whole time if we weren't asking them questions? No, I have a couple quick, very specific <laughs> just questions. He's so close sometimes to be just reaching over there. <laughs> right, right. Um, so first question is, uh, your story about, you know, kind of where you started and where you are, 
what advice, especially because you have recent experience with starting a business up, um, and just and just it, starting a business, starting a new venture, anything like that. What advice would you give to people, or or have you taken away yourself from this this kind of trying this new starting this new venture and going out there and and dealing with different things? What what would be some of the best advice you give somebody? Hmm. I don't know. I I don't think that I'm at a point where I'm qualified to really say because I don't I don't see myself as successful to the point of being worthy of giving out advice because. Like, we're doing all right, but by no means from a business standpoint, um, I'm not on anybody's radar as a – nobody's wanting to take us over. Right? Well, it's, it's all relative, and but, I think you're very humble, though, too. Well, I uh, He is very humble. Yeah. What uh, advice would you give – Give like, what would be the best advice you'd give somebody? Um, that's hard. I don't know. I um, Let's rephrase this then. What advice would you give to your younger self? There you go. Yeah. Um, well, I, I feel very, very fortunate. Okay. But it is, it is not the easy path. Right. And so I have definitely had moments of like, if I had to do it over, would I go a different route? Mm. You know? Um, I mean, I left Hewlett Packard to do this. Mm. That's a crazy move. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the adult in me wants to smack the younger of me for, for like, you know, what are you thinking? Right. So on the other hand, you know, it's experiences that make you. Yeah. And who else can say that they've done some of this stuff? Right. So on one hand, it's really cool and there's things that are great and there's other parts that are, that are not so great. And, and my kids have definitely suffered at times for me being gone as much as I have. So I think you kind of have to keep yourself in check and be aware of like, you know, there's handoffs to everything. So maybe that's the advice is like, be, be aware of. There's always a trade off. Yeah. Cause they're, you know, as much as it may not seem like it initially, uh, you've only got so much time, right? Yep, yep. Oh, I like that. I was that was deep, right? right? How about that? that was good. That was good, uh, man. Yeah. Um, okay, so last question, super easy. I was waiting for like Chris Rock versus Will Smith. I was like, gonna ask you. You were on that Skyline versus Gold Star. Nah, I don't care. You don't like either of them? Uh, no, I like both. Skyline or Gold Star. Do I have to pick? He yes. answered it. He doesn't care. You have to I mean, pick. There's no right or wrong answer. Depends. Okay. Chris Rock or Will Smith? Well, I asked in a, you first. In a brawl, in a fist fight, who would win? No, I, no I'm asking Will you. Smith, okay. Will, Will Smith, 1,000% would win. Will Smith. What was your... iRobot. You're, you're, okay. He's just a so, bigger human being than Chris Rock, too. I, I literally... iRobot. When uh, I was in uh, Monterey, California, shortly after that went down... <laughs> And I'm at a Starbucks, and they've got two chip tip tip jars, one labeled Chris Rock and one labeled Will Smith. Right? That's awesome. And the Chris Rock jar was definitely winning. So, my question to you is: If you were there, where would you put your dollar at? Will Smith. Really? That could be that could be a hot take in itself. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of Will Smith. I like, think. I've, there's no doubt Will would take him. Right. But that's yeah. not the question. The question is: was, Who do you like more? Was, or, no, no, was, who was right? Who was right? Who was right? Like, did because I don't think it's that easy to answer, right? That, sure, that's, that's really so, well. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you, you could, the justifications are complicated, but the answers A or B. Is it easy? Well, I don't think it's binary because I I don't know what conversations okay. took place before. Like, if if Will said like, "Hey, like enough's enough. Don't be making comments at my wife or my family," then 
I think it's totally... I think the whole thing was staged. Well, yeah, we've talked about this. No way. But, yeah, if they had conversations behind closed doors in advance, then I think Will had every right. Now, if he went up and did what he did, you know, off the cuff, then I think, you know, he's in the wrong. Dude, they're going to come back out and announce it was all staged. <laughs> this was a social experiment. Because that, no yeah, that's that's what they're going to come out. They're going to say it was all stage a social experiment. Jada Pinkett Smith is married to now Chris Rock and Will Smith both. <laughs> you might be onto something though. Was there some other big event in, in the news that they wanted to, you know, not have America well, they definitely, pay attention dude, they to? Wanted to make the, the they wanted to make the awards popular again. Nobody was, was watching say, them. Yeah, the, the, oh, there's that. But were there some other politics going on that they wanted to divide the to attention? The, the, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just That's feel like conspiracy theorists. Yeah, like. but I just feel like I feel like it was so. I just I, the only thing that makes me not think it was staged is how much business, how much Will Smith's brand, like all the movie deals that he's had canceled. Mm-hmm. Like literally, they've like removed him from like. Oh yeah, but here's the thing: but, is like, had so, he had he already backed out, and is that part of it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh no, is that part of the conspiracy? I mean, there's definitely uh, some circles, and if you're out of the circle, you're out. Yeah, you know, and that's that, that's, that's what Hollywood makes the topic like such a topic is because like, should it matter? Like, but at what point do you have just so much money where it doesn't really even impact? Well, you? probably not, but pride. And that's part of the problem with like that 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 personality type, and it's probably like, in fairness to her, losing her hair, right? If you're a public figure to that level, like, can you imagine how much stress that puts on you? I don't even care if you're not vain. You know you're under public eye, all day every day, yep. right? And then, you know, that's what's going on. Like, it makes it a big deal. Yeah, right? but. And well, so, so like, most of the most of the comedians of the world were like, "Oh, it's a joke," you know. He should take a joke, but it wasn't a. You're not at a comedy club, right? Right. It wasn't you're a, at an award bank. Right, right. But yeah. so, like, it's one thing to have some aha pops here and there, but you don't expect it to be. Uh, you know, it's not Comedy Central Fry, right? So. It's uh, I just I here's I'll we'll leave it with this. My in my opinion, and you guys, if you want to give one more too, because I don't want to be like the only one says this is my opinion this is final. My opinion is, should he have slapped Will Chris Rock? No, that was a little immature. You know, the Chris Rock was making a joke. Grow up, sorry. Like we all get jokes made about us. Like that's part of being an adult. Some people are gonna like you. Some people are gonna say shit you don't like. Some people are gonna say. But should everybody be making that big of a deal out of him about from him slapping Chris Rock? In my opinion, no. Like the dude slapped him, he was pissed off, he made a mistake. Let's move on right. with life. It shouldn't be like this big ordeal with. And this just goes back to like people in general, <laughs> well, like everybody like bashing Will Smith and how terrible it was. He's gonna come. I, if I were Will Smith, I wouldn't feel bad. I would have felt bad for five minutes that I slapped him and I move on with life. Like, hey, dude, sorry I slapped you in the face. Like that was a weak moment. You pissed me off. He says on my wife. You're out of line. Like, let's move at. Let's move on. Not right. Will Smith having to come out and say like well, I'm in rehab and like all right. this stuff. Like, and they're calling it assault. Yeah. Like, let's let's be clear. Like Will Smith could have dropped him. He bitch slapped him. <laughs> he didn't punch him. He bitch slapped him. If he wanted to hurt him, he could have hurt him. Right. He he didn't. Right. So, but that's the that's another. You know, we're socially uh, numb to the point of like we're not allowed to do anything. Anything. Yeah. So. All right. Well, the wreck. This was a. 
freaking awesome conversation, man. Unreal. Thank yeah. you for coming yeah, on. Thank you. So oh, happy to have you on. I feel like we didn't even hardly hit anything. Right? Oh, we're gonna have you back on. That's why. Yeah, like this about, is. We didn't talk about aliens. We didn't talk about dinosaurs. That's next. That's next time. Dude, around. we're just yeah. we just cracked the can open. We had a few drinks. Yeah, we're, we're gonna just back... priming right now. Yeah. We're, getting, right. we're getting ready for round <laughs> yeah. two. Um, so, guys, for any of you that are interested in finding out more about Rick. He is not a big social media person other than you can find his company, Cortex Racing, at CortexRacing.com or at Cortex Racing. Is that right? The Instagram handle? Yep. Do you guys have a Twitter, too? Uh, not active. Not active. Okay. You can see a kind of the cool stuff. He's on Instagram. He's got an awesome shop. And then, uh, you know... Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna be blasting this out there, and we just really appreciate you having on, man. Oh, this is you. awesome. It's fun, yeah. Crushed absolutely. it. Thank and Hayden you. did pretty well. Jimmy, fine line. You're walking on thin ice, buddy. <laughs> walking on thin ice. Best of luck at the next race as well. Yeah, thank you. We'll be the what's the what's the guy the Banner Boy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll be the, we're gonna rename it to that. <laughs> lollipop. I gotta wear it. Be the lollipop. Short jean shorts. <laughs> Cole found a new job. Right. <laughs> All right, I'm quitting my career. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks.